Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, July 16th, 2023. Today's sermon will be Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 to 13. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Good morning. Um, feels like the whole front side on the right side, all the Lewises and are gone on this side, and then the Harrisons are gone on this side, but uh, it's good to be here with those of us who are here this morning. Um, if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to keep moving on through Hebrews. And by the way, the, 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 I think the, the, if you like the coloring there, we tried to get it back white, right? But it, it's not coming, so we'll, we'll, we'll work on that during, during the week. But it was interesting to, um, to have that color for our songs this morning. Hebrews 12, I'm going to read verses 3 to 13, and the, the topic of the, as you'll see, I think it's pretty clear, is the discipline of God. And I'm not sure that I've ever preached a sermon on this before, so this is a first for me, and I've, I've learned personally quite a bit um, this week. But the discipline of God, again, verses 3 to 13 today. Consider... Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And he quotes here from, from Proverbs. My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. For the moment, <clears throat> all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you today as your church, your sp specific, particular people here at, at, that makes up your, your entire church in the world, but your specific people here at Grace Baptist this morning, here as we meet at the Y in and, and, and Landis. And uh, Father, these words are for us. We desire that you speak to us and that you help us and that you give us grace by your Spirit. I pray, Father, that uh, this topic would, would go deep into our hearts 
and it would engage our minds as we read your word, as your word is living and powerful. I pray that Father Jesus would increase, that I would decrease, that we would decrease, that we would find Jesus more beautiful today, even as the one who endured um, so much more than we will ever have to go through. I pray, Father, that in spite of me, you would work. And I pray that you would give us great grace. Father, if there are not, not Christians here today that are listening, I pray that today they would hear the gospel. They would look unto Christ and turn to Him and be saved. Uh, and for Christians, Father, I pray that we would, we would learn. And uh, this would be good for us today and this week and, and for our lives. So, Father, we, we give you this time. We trust in you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the context of our passage, and really the context of the entire book of Hebrews, is endurance. Um, it is running the race until the very end. Because only those who run the race will finish, finish the race and, and make it to the end. Only those who endure will, will get the prize at the end of the race. In verse 3, the author uses the word consider, the very first word there. And it, really, it's a mathematical term in the Greek. And it just basically means, hey, look at the numbers. Two plus two equals four. So look at what I'm saying to you today. Consider these things and calculate the conclusions. In verses three and four, really verses three and four, continue the theme of verses one and two, which we've been looking at the last couple weeks besides Greg last week, which is, if you look there with me, looking unto Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. <clears throat> Jesus is our example. He is the Son of God. He took on flesh. And this was the greatest humiliation of all history. There, there's nothing that compares. Though He was in the form of God, He did not count equality with God something to be grasped, Philippians tells us. Something to hold on to. But instead, He emptied Himself. By taking the form of a servant. Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And to give my life a ransom for many. And so verse 2 tells us here that Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. And so when we come to verse 3, we must consider how our Lord endured from great sinners, those who put Him on the cross. And by the way, if we were there, we would have done the very same. And it is for our sins that, that he went to the cross. And there was great hostility that came his way. And so, why do we look unto Christ? One of the reasons given here is so that we don't get faint-hearted. We don't grow weary when we have the trials of life coming our way. We look unto Christ and we go, ah, as Hebrews tells us throughout, he knows what we, He knows what you are going through. So we look unto Him. And then He says here in, in verse, verse 4, He says, In our struggle against sin, we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding our own blood. In other words, we're here this morning. And yes, we have trials, afflictions, and tribulations, but we do not, we do not lose heart, do we? We don't lose heart. Why do we not lose heart as Christians? Because as, as believers, as Christians, as those who have trusted the Lord Jesus, those who have received Him, those who have 
counted the cost and those who follow him, we know that everything that we go through in this life is worth it at the end of the day because Jesus is Lord and he is worthy. I think of the Apostle Peter when things got really difficult and Jesus said to the apostles and to the disciples in John chapter, John chapter 6, he said, these are hard things, I know what I'm saying to you, but all these and the disciples tell Jesus, a lot of people are leaving. And Jesus looks and he sees people leaving. He says, are you guys going to leave me as well? And what does Peter say? He says, Lord, he calls him Lord. He says, Lord, where else will we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. And so that's just a little summary of verses 1 and 2, particularly as we look unto Jesus. That's what we are about at the end of the day. But with that in mind, I want to turn our attention to the topic of the discipline of God. And that's the, the main point, I believe, of this passage. I have three truths this morning. And they're, they're going to be kind of brief because we're going to spend a good bit of time, second half of the sermon, in application. So I have three truths from this passage that speak about the discipline of God. I'm going to go ahead and give them to you. Here's number one. Discipline is selective. Okay? So we'll see that the discipline of God is for God's children only. Two, discipline causes us to keep going, to endure to the end. So it's, it's for our good. God disciplines us that we might endure. And then three, finally, discipline produces holiness. That's what discipline's for. So let's begin with number one. Again, these will be, these will be fairly brief. Throughout this passage... Notice that those who receive discipline are the children of God. Look at, at verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> he says, And have you forgotten that that exhortation that addresses you as sons? Then he quotes from Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, and he says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the one He loves. And chastises every son whom he receives. Then look down at verse 7. God is treating you as sons, as children. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Then you are, if that's the case, you are illegitimate children and not sons. God does not discipline those who are not his children. Now, when we think about discipline... How many children, particularly, if you're old enough to understand my words, look up here at me. If you are 10, 11, 12 years old, 13, 14, whatever, or even younger, do you seek the discipline of your parents? Are you looking for them and you're saying, please discipline me? It's kind of a, I think, and, and I think back to my life. Did I seek discipline from my dad? It's kind of a, a trick question. But, but, you know, as children of parents, if, if you're not disciplined by your parents, what are you supposed to think? There's something within us that, that knows that if our parents don't discipline us, then they don't really care. That's what this passage, I think, is saying. I think so many children in this world, honestly, would love their parents just to say, no, you cannot do that. You cannot go there. Do not do that. 
So many would love to hear that when we look around in this world. And so this is what this passage, I think, is one of the things it's trying to, to teach us. There's some kind of bond with the discipline of a parent that causes us to say, hey, yep, daddy disciplined me last week, but you know what? I'm his child. I'm in the family. I'm a child of my parents. They really care for me. And they're looking out for my good. I think this is the picture we're getting here in this passage. This is one of the reasons I believe this letter was written to Christians. Because the author speaks to them as children of God. And notice also the bond between the father and his children. Look at verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. So... Today, if you are a Christian, you are his child, you are special. This text says two things. He loves you and he receives you. 1 John 3, 1. Love this passage. John says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. So one of the ways that we see that we are children of God is because He disciplines us. Malachi 3, 17 and 18, back in the Old Testament. Read these words. God speaking of His children Israel. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. Brothers and sisters, today, you receive discipline from God because you are His child. You are special, God receives you, and God is the most loving Father to give you discipline. And you know what else? He knows exactly what you need. And we'll come back to this in application. But something about the world. The world, those who are not Christians... They do not receive this discipline. The same as I'm not disciplining anyone, but all my kids are out of the house. Abigail's soon to go. We'll miss you greatly. But even at that age, I'm not disciplining in the same way that I used to. And we'll get to that in a minute. But that's that's truth number one. There's a distinction. God's discipline is selective. Number two, the discipline of God ensures endurance. So think of the word endurance, running the race. That's that's the context. It's endurance. So they're receiving persecution and the things of life. And he's telling the Hebrew Christians, endure, endure. And so he says, in your endurance, this is going to help you because God is disciplining you as you endure. So he's saying, keep on running. Keep on getting it. As we have shared this illustration before, I think of Finding Nemo and Dory says what? Keep on swimming keep on swimming she sings it away that's what we are to be about look back at chapter chapter 12 I mean excuse me verse 1 of the same chapter let us run with endurance there's that word the race is set before us look at verse 3 consider him who endured that's Jesus the race that is set before us excuse me verse 3 consider him who endured verse 7 it is for discipline that you have to endure. This word is all throughout this passage. So with this in mind, 
the author is using the subject of God's discipline as a means to their endurance. In other words, God works in, if you are a Christian today, God works to discipline you so that you will go to the end, so that you will keep on swimming, so that you will endure. Now, I'm not sure that I've really thought about this topic of discipline um, so much in, in, in my life um, until really this week. I've always had a difficulty um, putting my finger on the discipline of God in my life. And, I, and this is going to come out again in the applications, but I've always had that problem. And, and so I'm trying to think t- to my own self, why, John, do you have a problem seeing the discipline of God in your life? Well, I think it's because my reference, my understanding of discipline is very immature in the big picture of things, as it only sees discipline as corrective. And so as I think about discipline, I mean, naturally, what do you think about? Probably, probably, you're thinking about your own father, maybe your own parents, if it's, if, you're, if, it's, if it's just your mother, if it's a single mother, you think about your mother. But particularly in my case, I think about my father and how he disciplined me <laughs> or corrected me or chastised me every day. That was my reference for discipline. And I can tell you, I got a lot of disciplines, okay? I got a lot of correctives on my, on my backside, a lot. And it seemed like, it seemed like it was every day. I'm thinking, man, can I disobey every day? And I was, I was disciplined for so many things. You know, as parents, one of the main things when they're small, when you ask them to come to you, that's a number one. You got to enforce that one. When you ask your kids to come to you, come to me. If I didn't come to my dad, he corrected me. And you know what I'm talking about when I say he corrected me. I, if I put myself in danger, then what did he do? Well, it was a different kind of correction, but he corrected me. Like the story I've told where I put my foot in the road, he told me not to get in the road, pull my foot back out. There's danger in the road. So he corrected me, and then he disciplined me when I continued to go down that road. He, he disciplined me for hitting my sister, which, by the way, she deserved. Joe's laughing because he knows my sister. Well, your sister, I don't know if she's here today, but she deserved quite a few of hers, too. Anyway, I... I was disciplined. My father disciplined me. He disciplined me for being disrespectful to my my mother or to other people in the world. And, you know, I don't think that I remember all these ways that my father disciplined me except more the corrective. So when I go back to my question, why am I having such a hard time? Because I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, I don't know if God's corrected me in such ways. Maybe I've had it so good. Maybe it's my personality. Maybe it's my just lack of judgment and thinking through all the things in life that that happen. But I don't remember that. So that's why I think that's the way I think of God's discipline is only as corrective, chastisement. And I, as verse 11 says, I only think of, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. So I'm looking back and I'm thinking, where's the painful God? And that, again, that's me. I think in a minute when I try to 
explain this a little bit better, we might understand better. But, I, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, that is why I think that I did not understand. Um, I don't know, I, I've had such a difficult time with the discipline of God. But God disciplines us. I've kind of got off a little bit there. <clears throat> but God works in our lives through discipline so that we might endure, endure to the end. And it is a necessary means. Number three this morning. Discipline produces holiness. Look at verses 10 and 11. For they disciplined us, talking about our, our earthly parents, for a short time, as it seemed best to them. And I'll just throw in there, um, we discipline our kids and kids, we get disciplined from parents who are also sinners. So we often get it wrong. God never gets it, gets it wrong. But for they discipline us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. That's what we do as parents. We do our best. But he disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. That's what I'm focusing on now. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later... This discipline, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained in it. So in these verses, the author continues his comparison of the earthly discipline from our fathers here and the heavenly discipline of God. So when we think of our father, fathers who discipline us, even in our lives, really, what, what was their purpose? Well, at the end of the day, with, with my father and my mother, it was some kind of righteousness, okay? In other words, they wanted John to grow up and, and be a, a good guy, someone who was respectful and obedient and contributed to society and did what was good, right, and moral in this culture. I think, you know, at the end of the day, they want, and then they, so that we could also, me, get married, have kids, and do the same. We're raising them up for some kind of <clears throat> righteousness. I, I remember one of my grandfathers, he would always say to me as he handed me a dollar, and he would say, son, you're a fine young man. And he would say that to me, and I always go, yeah, I didn't care what he said, I just enjoyed getting the dollar, okay? Because back in the, you know, in the, in the mid-70s, the dollar was pretty good. And so <clears throat> I remember him saying that, and I, I'm not sure of everything that he meant by that, but I think he looked at me and he thought, you know, pretty, you're a pretty good grandson. you got some moral character here. And so he probably thought your parents are raising you in the right way. Um, and so it's that kind of thing that, that our parents do for us when they raise us in discipline. Um, I, I think of all the things that my parents taught me. They taught me to obey authority figures. They taught me to be, again, respectful. They taught me to be, you know, as nice as I could to others and at least polite to others. They taught me how to conduct, conduct myself in, in public and, 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 and in, a, in a restaurant or at school or all of these things. But why did they do that? So that I would be morally good, that I would be righteous. And so I think if we look at cultures around the world, Every culture does that with their kids in some way, shape, or form. You've you, you, you got a society that just goes astray, which I'm not even speaking to ours right now, as I think that there's not very much discipline going on in the families of our culture right now, for sure, um, because it's obvious from what we're seeing. But if we move that over, God is doing the same thing with His children to produce Look at verse 10. He says that we might share in His what? Holiness. 
and that we might yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. This has always been the case with God disciplining his children. I think of Ezekiel, the prophet, as he looks forward to the days of Christ, to the new covenant. And here's what he says of God's people. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your unrighteousness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. There's always with God in his discipline, the purpose is righteousness and holiness. Speaking of the picture of marriage, when we come to Ephesians 5, Paul says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing, by the washing of water with the word. This is exactly what Ezekiel was saying, talk speaking of the church. Titus 2 11 to 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce, renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, lawlessness and to purify us, purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And so, brothers and sisters, the discipline of God leads to godliness. And it also, I didn't have time this morning, there's a fourth truth here I think is pretty clear. The discipline of God leads to life itself. Look at the second part of verse 9. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? So the discipline of God is for our holiness and it is for our life. So this morning, brothers and sisters, if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, the discipline of God is yours. Okay? It is necessary for your endurance and it leads to holiness and life. And so with that in mind, I want us to move now and try to make some sense of what this discipline looks like in our lives today. So here's a question that just will open up our application. Here's the question. What are some ways that we, that you, as you come this morning, you've just heard these truths, okay? I haven't really made it clear yet what that discipline is. We've just seen the benefits. But what does the discipline of God look like in your lives? What is, in other words, the discipline of God upon your life? Again, we've seen the benefits, but what does it look like in our lives? Again, I've struggled to understand this because, again, I've seen the discipline of my father as corrective. And that's the only road that I'm coming down when I approach the discipline of God. <clears throat> but... I want us to see that the discipline of God is not just that one road of chastisement or correction. I want us to see that it is 
way beyond any of us can think or imagine. So just think of one road of correction, of discipline, and then, then open that up and be open to a, a greater perspective on God's discipline. I think that in some ways we could say that the entire life of the Christian is one of discipline, of discipline. Now, I'm not even speaking of ways that really I don't in some ways understand because let, if, if I'm doing something wrong, God may call something that would, would take me off of that course, okay? Um, it's kind of like the whole principle of cut the arm off if it's causing you to sin or gouge the eye out if it's causing you to look at something. There are things that God might do, and I don't know. I don't know what all of those might be, and those, those things are true. But I would like for us to think that all of the trials, all of the tribulations, all of the persecutions that might come our way, that were coming to the Hebrews, that come our way as Christians in this world, and all of the sufferings, all of them, in some way, are a part of the discipline of God in our lives. And it is all for our good, and it is all for our endurance, and it is all for our holiness in sanctification. So when we think of some of these things, I mean, I, I can't imagine what some of my sister here, I can't imagine what you guys have gone through, Weston and Krista, this past week, as others also have gone through in our congregation as well. I can't imagine. Um, and, and to think that that's the discipline of God, it's not corrective, but it, is, it does fall under the umbrella. I can't imagine what some of... All, I, I could go through and I could name things because I know all of, all of us here very well. And I know, and I, know, and I could look at my own life. <clears throat> I mean, I think about just stresses that come with, with job situations and trying to provide for your family. Um, whatever way, I think, you know, maybe, you know, the stress that goes on at your jobs or, you know, just all of these things there or just sicknesses that come about or anxieties or depression. Or, we could just go on and on and on. <clears throat> all of these things and more. God works in all of them, and we need to broaden our understanding as opposed to just chastisement to all of the things in life that God, we believe He's sovereign, right? We believe that God works all things for your good, right? And so we believe that. I think of Joseph. My favorite stories is he was sold into slavery, he went to prison, and even getting elevated to where he was at in Egypt, we might think, oh, he got it great. But yeah, he married a foreign wife, had foreign gods. That, that didn't come easy for him, I'm sure, as his people were still over in Canaan. All of that, we don't even... When you think about all of that together, what, at the end of his life, he told the brother... Not the end of his life, but when the brothers came down, and he sent them back, and he told them not to quarrel on the way, and they, they said, now, don't kill us. And he said, brothers, you... You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And so we must view the discipline of God in this way as special to His people in our sanctification in this life. As we walk the road, we say, to heaven. Again, I'm not sure I've seen this until recently. Frankly, I've been more fearful 
in my own life because I don't think I've seen God discipline me in the way my parents did. Though the principle is present. But in this passage, the discipline of God is meant as an exhortation. See, when I was getting spanked on my bottom, I wasn't think this is exhorting me at all, okay? But the discipline of God was given by the author to the Hebrews. It's given to us today. It's supposed to be coming down from God through these words as an exhortation. <clears throat> as, an ex as something that should make you feel good and keep you moving down the road to heaven. And I hope this will be the case with this sermon. This, I hope this sermon will add a new dimension to our understanding that God works all things to our good. I think of Elisha, the, the, the prophet, and the miracle worker. And he is there in this city in 2 Kings 6 with his servant. <clears throat> and the Syrians come and they surround the city with their chariots. And the servant is scared to death. And Elisha's, I imagine, kind of like Jesus in the storm, sleeping down wherever. But he's just there. And so Elisha, he comes to Elisha. He says, Elisha, look what's going on. We're getting ready to be taken, whatever. I can't imagine the conversation. And then Elisha prays that his eyes will be opened. So the servant looks out around them. I'm just imagining. I don't know exactly what it was like. But around the mountains of the city. And what does he see? He doesn't see Syrian armies. He sees chariots of fire and horses surrounding the city. And you know what happens next? God blinds the army and they end up taking them into, into Damascus. But my point here is that when this servant saw the big picture, life became a whole lot more peaceful. And so... When we start to see the discipline of God in our lives, in every little thing that He is a loving Father who knows what is good for us, then we'll see the big picture. And we won't have as much anxiety. We won't have as much depression. Yes, we will be sad and we will mourn and we will have hard times. But little by little, we grow, right? Next thing, next thing, next thing. And so God uses discipline in this Way And so I don't think that I've even seen that until this week in my life. And so I'm hoping that some of you who are younger will see this now so that you'll be prepared for life and what's coming your way. And so that's, that's an introduction to the applications today. Here's, now I'm just going to work my way through a few applications till we end. Here's an application for us. Discipline is something we submit to and we, we accept, knowing this is our training. You, parents know about your kids when you discipline them um, and they took it well. And you were, in some ways, kind of proud. You might say, I'm proud of them. Look, look at their character. They showed, knowing that the discipline was coming as you, as you gave it. Discipline is for our good. I think about what Abigail's getting ready to go do, what Jeremiah and Josiah did as they went out to Kansas City with this program Fusion, and it was almost like boot camp for, for a few weeks. I think they've narrowed it down now, but they knew, particularly with Jeremiah and Josiah, that it was going to be really hard. But you know what? They endured it. Because why? They knew, they, they, they received it, they accepted it because they knew it was for their good. And so, such is life. 
It is, it is short and full of troubles. It is hard. It is grueling. It is testing. But as God's children, we learn, as Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered, we learn through the discipline of God to, to take it. To take it in a better way. That means um, that we do not kick and scream under the discipline of God. Um, I think the big one for us would be we would cease our complaining, wouldn't we? If we knew that all the trials, so we, we, try to, we can't move them out of a category. Everything you complain for is still under the providence, sovereign hand of God. Do not complain. So this sermon should help us see discipline coming to us from God, who knows what is right and good for us, as hard as it might be. And so we don't kick and scream. We do not complain. We accept the trials, the tribulations, the hardships, the persecutions, and then kind of what comes from that? Contentment. Contentment. Verse 9 says, in comparing how we endure with our own fathers, he says, how much more be subject should we be subject to the Father of spirits and live? If we're going to put ourselves under the submission of our own parents, which we didn't have a choice, but even in our hearts when we did that, how much more do we come under His discipline? Another application, quick one. Verse 5, look there with me. And have you forgotten? We must not forget. Now, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard a sermon on discipline. Well, from today, don't forget, okay? The discipline of God. Do not let this truth leave your mind as you receive discipline. Do not forget. When we forget these truths, we, as the text says, we regard lightly the discipline of the Lord and we grow weary. There's a, there's a, there's a reason for weariness when we do not accept and receive the discipline of God. <clears throat> Another application. Discipline brings encouragement. And we've already talked about this. So children who receive discipline from their parents, there's security there. We know that our parents are only disciplining us. And that's, that proves for a special relationship. How often do I look back now, kids, you will one day, upon the discipline of your father and your mother with fondness. And you say, now I see why they did it. And I, I look back on that. So we must do the same with the Lord. Discipline should bring encouragement to our hearts. Another application. Discipline is the most loving action of a loving God. God loves His children. Therefore, He allows and brings discipline for your good. Have you ever thought that the difficulties you are facing are a product of a loving God that is producing something in you that is looking forward to, we call it, glory. He is producing so much in us. This means that the discipline of God is always for our good. For we know that God works all things for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. The things that transpire in this world are, if we, from one perspective, they're the tools of the devil to bring us down in our fight with sin, but for His people, God turns them to good. And we might say in His providence, 
This falls under the umbrella, again, of, of discipline, which goes way beyond what our parents did for us. Another application. Know that God will not give you more than you can handle. And I think we've heard this before under different sermons. God is always gracious, and He will not give you more than, 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 than what you can take, for sure. This means that discipline can look very different in the lives of His children. And it may, what I may see in your life and go, wow, how can God do that to, in their life and discipline? And I see someone else and go, oh, that's just a little bit of discipline. Look at my own life. But that God knows. So we all have our mess. Everything's relative. So therefore, that should make us be more patient with those who are sitting next to us as we think about, you know, what is going on in their lives and what, 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 is, what is happening. That's another, another application. Um, another application here. God's discipline is always perfect. Our earthly parents, not always consistent. They did what was right to them. I know I've messed up so many with the raising of my kids, but I did what was right, what was best. And so do you as parents. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but with God, every single discipline is exactly right. As hard as it is, it is right. And again, it's not just corrective. It's not that, oh, I've sinned in some great way, therefore God has put this on me. We cannot think of God in such a way. And, and I'm just going to come to this a little bit later, but I, since I'm thinking about this now, the reason we say that God disciplines us as children and does not judge us, okay, is because Jesus. The passage says He endured the shame, the suffering, the cross, the joy that was set before Him. You see, Christ died on the cross as a perfect sinless sacrifice the Lamb of God and so if you are a Christian today and you by faith have believed on the Lord Jesus then your sins are taken away so therefore God has already judged Christ so we have to separate out discipline now it is discipline it is chastisement it, it is all of these things but it is always out of love because if you are of the world you're not receiving this. In fact, Romans 1 says the wrath of God is, has been revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. And the wrath of God remains. Only by the, by the goodness and kindness of God are we still here, any of us. But that's why we must not think that God is judging us. We, we must separate those out as, as Christians. That it is discipline. It is good for us. It is chastisement. And yeah, there are bad things course because we live in a world of sin and so we know that another application look at verses 12 and 13 and I'm almost done here <clears throat> just let me read these verses here's and we're going to move into this next week particularly but I'm just going to read it for today therefore therefore is like okay since you've heard this sermon today on discipline and you've seen this passage you've seen God's words here's the therefore as we leave this place lift your drooping hands Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight, straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be out of joint but rather be healed. There's our 
application. And we'll keep on with that next week. But the discipline of God should produce encouragement. And that's part of what I'm doing today as a pastor. I'm exhorting you when I know you're going through hard times. And I know we're going through hard times. The discipline of God should produce encouragement, strength in hands, feeble knees. At the end of the day, this is the way we must view the discipline of God. This is why this passage, I think, is so helpful today. The knowledge and understanding of God's works of discipline are an exhortation, an encouragement. God's discipline does not make us frown. It shouldn't. But instead, brings us delight. Final application this morning. When it comes to the discipline of God in, in, in our lives as Christians, in your life, you'll either do one of two things if it's, if it's not good, okay? One of two things. And this text is clear. First, you will either despise it, which is, which is here with, um, in verse 5, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. You'll despise it, you'll grumble, you'll complain, and all you'll see is how the world complains about every bad thing that happens to them. And you'll, and you'll want to jump in there with them, and you'll want to complain too, and you'll say, yep, you know, broke my finger, yep, my dog died, <laughs> or dog got vertigo, <laughs> that's, that's a more humorous one, sorry guys. But whatever's going on, and you'll say, ugh, and you'll complain. Just as the world does. So that, you'll do that. We'll do that. That means we'll, we'll, we'll despise them. And we'll think bad thoughts about God. And we'll say, God, how can you allow this to happen in my life? How many times have you heard that? Brothers and sisters, mature Christians should never say that. That's just the truth. We, we might find ourselves saying it, but then we come back and we, with the help of, of the Word and with sermons like this, then we say, oh, yes, I've sinned. And we say... God of sin, please have mercy upon me. But we despise them, that's one thing. Or we grow faint-hearted at the discipline of God. That means we fall apart under the trials of life. <clears throat> now, either of these positions is a position of sin, which is always our problem. Either of these responses is hurtful to us and to our sanctification and to the cause of the gospel. But at the same point, God is still long-suffering. God is still gracious. God is still good. And if you are His, He is bringing you along. As Jesus says, come unto me, all you labor, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Our Lord is doing that. But this is, with these two responses, they're very hurtful to us and to the world and to our witness. This is why the author exhorts us to consider the discipline of God. God is a good Father. He knows how to make us endure and bring us along. He knows what we need for our godliness. He knows that these things lead to life, which I didn't even talk about today. So let me ask a question. From this perspective, what is bad about all of the disciplines of life? From this perspective, yes, they're bad. I get it. I get it. But from this perspective, God knows these things. So therefore, we must not complain or grow weary and come to despair because we know that God is working all these things for our good. And at the end of the day, we come back to verses 1 to 3. 
going to finish. I'm gonna, all I'm going to do is read one to three and then we're done. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church, China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row NYMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.